At the 2023 Grammys, artist Sam Smith gave a nod to Satan in his performance, and it seems that God is responding with an outpouring of his spirit on Asbury University. With recent headlines drawing attention to Asbury University, there has been lots of discussion regarding revival, and Lord knows that we need it. But the rumor mill is never quiet, especially on social media. How are we to understand revival? What does it mean? What revival is not? What are the marks of a genuine revival? And does Asbury Revival appear to be authentic? Well, these questions and more on today's episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. Those who doubt their faith often point to feeling like God is not present or just isn't working in their life in a tangible way. When our Holy Father seems distant and absent, it can be hard to hold on to the relationship. And that is when we need to ask for revival. Something special has broken out on the campus of Asbury University. I mean, even CNN has covered the story. What started as a weekly chapel has now gone on for several weeks. So many people have participated that it has put a strain on the local town's infrastructure, and they are looking to move it to another location to accommodate all of the people. Well, welcome to the show that loves doubters. Here on Christianity Still Makes Sense, we are making sense of the doubts that can deconstruct our Christian faith with near apostate, now pastor and apologist, Dr. Bobby Conway. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Well, Bobby, with all the buzz regarding revival lately, I think it'd be good for us to first define it. What do we mean by revival and how would you define it? Well, we can't pin revival down to one thing in a formulaic sense. And we can't pin down God either. And that's because he won't be boxed in by our definitions. But speaking broadly, let me first distinguish revival from awakening. We often hear about revivals or great awakenings, but is there a difference? I would distinguish it as follows that an awakening refers to regeneration, whereas revival refers to restoration. The former has to do with conversion, while the latter has to do with consecration. So when we speak of revivals and awakenings, we're referring to something happening to the masses and each tend to play off of each other, Tim. So when the church gets revived, the world becomes awakened. Mm. You can see revival without awakening but you are typically not going to see an awakening apart from revival, though it can happen. I mean, you think about Jonah. He wasn't really all that revived when he showed up in Nineveh. I suppose you could say uh, he was because, you know, he was captured in the giant fish and he cries out from the belly of the fish and surrenders to the word. Yeah, it's true, but he quickly showed that if he was revived, it was short-lived by the pity party that he threw at the repentance of Nineveh. So Nineveh, uh, obviously these Assyrians uh, aren't believers, but there's this awakening of sorts. Uh, and then when you think about revival, uh, there's all sorts of them. Uh, throughout uh, church history and in the Bible. So typically what God does is he revives his church and then he gets the attention of the world and many are awakened. Uh, so with that distinction of mind, revival then is a time when God interrupts his people and they respond to his word through confession and repentance. 
which leads to a renewed spiritual joy and vitality in one's relationship to God. And ultimately, revival is transformative. So J.I. Packer gives a definition if we want to kind of winnow uh, this down a bit. He says, revival is the visitation of God, which brings life to Christians who have been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Thence springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of heart in repentance, praise, and love with evangelistic outflow. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, wrote, a revival means days of heaven upon earth. So there's a few different ways of looking at revival with hopefully some qualifications of the difference between revival and awakening. I love that J.I. Packer throwing that thence in there. It's just (laughs) (laughs) some great, great words there. Well, so, okay. So we we kind of gave a positive definition, but in our attempt to to further narrow our understanding, what would you say that revival is not? Well, I'd say it's not a number of things, uh, but just for a mere sampling, revival is not a formula that we can follow to guarantee revival. Now, Charles Finney, uh, who was a lawyer turned evangelist, uh, he wrote a lot about revival. In fact, even on how to guarantee revival. And that has been challenged. Uh, There have been many people who have lived and prayed and sought the Lord only to never see a revival. Uh, I'm thinking about Martin Lloyd-Jones who wrote a book Uh, called Revival, and I'm told that he never experienced a revival in his 30 years of praying for one. So that's powerful to think of a witness of some people who wait for that, but there are those that don't get to experience it. Revival is also not a speaker that shows up from Wednesday to Sunday. So for example, when I moved to the South, I found it interesting because I would see these marquee boards uh, with statements like, you know, brother Jesse Lowe will be bringing the heat of revival this Wednesday through Sunday, you know? (laughs) And I'd be thinking this is so weird. Everybody's gonna go here, brother Jesse Lowe. Uh, (laughs) Brother Jesse Lowe, Tim, he might be bringing the heat, but only God brings the heat of revival. So. It's true that, yes, revival that is God brought could be happening during a Wednesday through Sunday night event, but you don't just go put, uh, you know, on a marquee that you're bringing in Brother Jesse Lowe. Now, uh, there is no Brother Jesse Lowe that I know of. I just felt like it would sound really Southern and it was funny. So we went with right, it. Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, revival is also not a feel, a feel good time bereft of brokenness confession and repentance. Uh, That is really important. Uh, We'll talk about it more next week, but I remember when I got the chance to be a part of what I believe was a true movement of the spirit. And the professor stood up and he began to really talk and spend a few moments of saying, I don't think we're broken enough here. Uh, There's some happiness and there's some joy here and, and that's great, but I think there's more brokenness to be had. And so when people think about revival, oh, we're praying for revival. I'm not sure they know what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. It means an absolute uh, self-denial, 
Uh, it means brokenness. It means repentance. It means turning from sin. Uh, it'll cut you to the heart in recognition of our alienation from God. So think about like even in the book of James, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. That captures a little bit more of the echo of what I think we should be looking for in a revival. And then, then it's followed by that sound of joy. Uh, and then I would say revival is not indifferent to biblical doctrine, Tim. Anybody can get worked up into an emotional frenzy. But the question is, does the revival have the ring of truth to it? Is it promoting the glory of God, the sinfulness of humanity, our need for repentance, etc.? Failing to address doctrines as these should be a real cause for concern. So people coming together, hey, let's have revival and they're singing and they're having happy songs, but there's no repentance. There's no consideration of the holiness of God, the depravity of humanity. That is a problem. True revival always restores those type of doctrines to its proper place. Well, I, I think that's that's a, a great point. And I do want you to talk a little bit um, more about some of the scripture references. But before we get there, I will just remind our audience that this is a listener-supported show. And one of the best ways that you can support the show is to subscribe to our YouTube channel, give this video a thumbs up, and click on the notification bell. Over 70% of the people that watch our channel are not subscribed. And I bet that's even more if you consider those who are just listening on the radio or our audio-only podcast. So you can help us by subscribing. So, Bobby, let's continue with our discussion. When you think about the scriptures and church history, what are some marks of revivals? Are there any kind of common patterns we can point to? I think there is, Tim. And here are some of what you can find in common. I mean, I've already mentioned above, there's not going to be some formula that can guarantee revival. We can't put God in our revival box and expect him to show up. I mean, it is true that revival is God showing up. I mean, it, it's kind of cool, right? God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at once, but he still shows up. It's like mm, this yeah. time when we can sense his palpable presence. Uh, but I would say some of the common features when you think about the history of revivals or when you look in the scriptures and the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that's going to be a little bit different too, because in the Old Testament, you know, revivals under, you know, maybe a theocracy or a monarchy uh, looks a little bit different than when you're seeing revival in the church in the Greco-Roman world and then throughout history when maybe we're not under a theocratic government, so to speak. Uh, but just taking all things like that into consideration, re revivals happen against the backdrop of a church um, and culture that it's lost its way uh, morally. Moral darkness is obvious and the people are lacking a sustainable vision in a culture. So it's as if uh, good is being called evil and evil is being called good. It's twisted and dark and you can feel it. It's as if nobody's concerned about the things of God. Uh, during such times, he works through hearts that are set apart for him. And it's often been through youth. Uh, it's even at times through a particular leader who just gets a heart for God to make a difference and becomes available. Uh, God has uh, created great movements through the heart of a broken person uh, that quickly can spread to others. 
revivals are centered, Tim, around the word of God as people recognize they've strayed far from it. Through public proclamation, people who once were resistant or even rejected God's word find themselves utterly receptive to it. People tear down their high places, that is their cultural idols, and they begin repenting of moral sin where they are out of alignment with God and they start agreeing that God's word is good, that God is holy, that we are sinful, that he is just in his judgments. And as a result, there's a powerful return to worship sound theology and biblical obedience. And then Tim, as a result of this, this causes spiritual renew, which results in joy and celebration and gladness as people begin to return to church. So those are some of the things you begin to see, uh, see happening in revival. But furthermore, the culture is transformed and prospers as evangelism takes place and Christians begin living out the gospel and holiness in their respective context, their neighborhoods where they work. Uh, revival, it can serve as a nice spring cleaning uh, to a culture and obviously the church. During times of revival, there are always those who resist and are all too ready to persecute believers and mock what's happening. And then sadly in time, Tim, people forget God, side with culture, and are in need of revival once again. That's kind of what you see pattern-wise of the way things work. Other marks uh, that revival uh, could come about or is happening would be things like a deepened desire to see people saved, renewed spiritual hunger, assurance of salvation, fervent prayer, awe of God, realization that we deserve hell. Uh, We see our sin more clearly, fullness of the Holy Spirit, priorities change, spontaneous evangelism, new songs are being developed, growth in church attendance, enjoyable Bible study, uh, troubled relationships restored, renewed moral values, you know, and things of that ilk. Yeah, no, that that's great. So uh, we do want to kind of turn specifically to Asbury. I don't know if you've had a chance to see some of the videos. I had a friend of mine um, from Pennsylvania who woke up one morning and just really felt the call to to go and kind of cleared his schedule and drove the six and a half odd hours to Asbury and just spent two or three days there. He put a couple other videos uh, up on uh, his Facebook page, just kind of talking about it. So what are some of your thoughts on the possibility of revival happening again in our culture? And And what do you think specifically about Asbury and elsewhere? Is it legit? Well, you know, Tim, in some ways, um, I I have to confess my own lack of belief uh, in the sense of I feel like at times when I've been watching our culture, we're just sitting under God's passive judgment Mm. and uh, you know, the world's getting ready to wrap up. I'm not a date setter or anything like that. But at times I've been so discouraging seeing how morally debauched our culture has become and even watching our culture and even many in the church celebrate just the complete debauchery of our culture. At times I have been putting on a wartime, you know, mindset, trying to prepare myself uh, you know, our church family, uh, you know, to get ready for, uh, you know, it to get worse before right. it gets better. Right. Uh, so it's really encouraging then to see what's happening right now. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, God, that this would be beautiful for you to do it again. So on one side, I'm hesitant to say too much about the authenticity um, of what's happening as time will tell. Uh, But I do know that there are two cautions that I advise against. And one is 
to fail to discern when movements like this happen. And the other is to think that you've perfectly discerned that God is not in it. Uh, so sometimes I think anytime someone says God's on the move, well, people just assume God's on the move and they don't even bother to discern. But other times people have already discerned that God won't be on the move and that's problematic too. Uh, I've read stuff on both sides where people uh, want to say, oh, God's just totally at work. This is unbelievable. And then others saying, I'm really skeptical. But personally, anytime you have true movements of God, you can still find aspects within the movement that are abused, where people aren't really getting it. But that doesn't discredit the whole. So I'm very hopeful about what we are seeing at Asbury University and other places. And I imagine there is something really special happening there. And that encourages me. But I do recognize that in the midst of that, uh, sure, it wouldn't take long to point out things that are off. You could do that with the history of the first and second great awakening or other uh, great movements of God. But I'll tell you what really does encourage me right now. It's the timing of how things are shaking out. It's really uncanny to me. For example, uh, as we're recording this, Tim, uh, the Jesus revolution comes out tonight. Uh, that's really cool because the Jesus revolution was the hippie movement that took place in Southern California and spread throughout the country. This took place in the late sixties. And there's a lot of similarities to what was going on then with, you know, there was, you know, celebration of sexuality and drugs and a total resistance with the emergence of feminism against roles. There was a moral decay happening. And then these hippies start getting saved and falling in love with Jesus. And it was transformative to the culture. I mean, it made it on its way to Time Magazine. And Greg Laurie, uh, you know, he got saved during that movement. And that's who I ended up putting, uh, uh, when I put my faith in Christ, it was through the preaching of Greg Laurie. Mm. And uh, he was preaching on Monday nights at Chuck Smith's church. And that's kind of where it all broke out there. Yeah. Uh, so. I would say that should be really uh, encouraging. The fact that it's spreading to different campuses is encouraging. The spiritual interest right now in our culture is something to pay attention to, like the interest in the chosen or the He Gets Us campaign. We can nitpick that stuff, but I still find it interesting that there's stuff going on in our culture like this. So I'm very thankful to see stuff happening. I do like the statement that was um, you know, said by Martin Lloyd-Jones. You know, sometimes people think, oh, we're just done with God. But he said, it is very foolish to ignore the past. The man who does ignore it and assumes that our problems are quite new and that therefore the past has nothing at all to teach us is a man who is not only grossly ignorant of the scriptures, he is equally ignorant of some of the greatest lessons even in secular history. Yet, I think you will agree that is the mentality that is governing the outlook of the vast majority at the present time, which was 1959 when he's saying this. Right. The basic assumption is that our problems are new, they, that they are quite unique, and that the church and the world have never been confronted by such problems before. Isn't that ironic? And in, do we really think today that we're really morally advancing as a culture? Like, do we think when God looks down from heaven at drag queen story hour, he's thinking at last, my people are finally getting it. They're finally beginning to understand the gospel, why I sent Jesus. Mm. And to think we defend this kind of nonsense and even more so celebrate it is beyond me. Our culture is darker than I've ever seen it. And we desperately need revival. And as Andrew Murray said, a revived church is the only hope for a dying world.
Yeah, I, I, man, that is so impactful. Well, I, again, I mentioned at the beginning the the doubter, the, the the person that's kind of maybe deconstructing their faith. They're they're probably paying attention to what's going on at Asbury because they've seen what's going on in our culture and, and they're hopeful. But they may want it in their own life specifically. They they may want a piece of that, if if you will. So, what advice mm. would you give those who want to see revival? Vance Havner, uh, a great wordsmith, once said. Sunday morning Christianity is the greatest hindrance to true revival. Mm. <laughs> now you hear that and you go, wow, uh, that doesn't mean we don't need to meet Sunday morning, but it means, but it means we need to meet. Like we need to really believe God. We need to fall in love with the word. We need to anticipate God doing something. something. I fear that, uh, you know, we get bored with God because we're so entertained with so many other things. A.W. Tozer said, to desire revival and at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and to walk another. I think it's really important, Tim, that if we are going to see revival in our time, that we're prayerful, that we do the things that we know that pleases the heart of God, like fasting, confessing our sin, recognizing his holiness, our, our sinfulness, uh, not compromising the word of God, not trying to make it palatable, are more palpable for um, palatable for the culture. Excuse me. I think it's really important that that we are unashamed of the gospel, and then we just begin to seek the Lord. Now, there's one thing I want to say. I read an article by uh, the apologist Michael Brown yesterday, and he brought out a good point about today's youth. And it was a compliment, and it was also a point of caution. And the compliment is he was saying that today's youth, and I say this because a lot of these movements are spawned through youth and we need to capture the attention of the youth. But today's youth Brown was saying they have a tremendous ability to feel empathy and they have a lot of empathy for those who have been, uh, you know, experienced any form of injustice. Uh, They have a lot of empathy for the underdog, so to speak, but there's a caution to empathy and it's this, that our empathy, if we fail to discern, it can cause us to morally compromise. And then we start validating things that God doesn't value. And my fear is, is we've got a young generation that is empathetic and, and they are no longer in a place where they recognize how holy God is and how bad sin is, is because anybody in sin, they just want to validate. They want to validate. They want to validate. Uh, but we can't validate living in sin. Uh, that goes contrary to what God would have for us. And so if people aren't convicted of sin, then the spirit isn't moving. Jesus said that he was going to send his Holy Spirit. And what was the Holy Spirit going to do? It was going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So when the Holy Spirit shows up and interrupts the people and a movement's happening, we can know that people are going to be convicted of sin. They're going to be convicted about walking in righteousness, and they're going to recognize that God is a just judge. When the Spirit comes, people begin to witness. People start getting saved. People start repenting, and all that's really great stuff. But I would just say, in the meantime, keep our eyes open on what's happening with this revival, and let's just ask the Lord to continue to do what He's doing and work in powerful ways. Those should be sufficient statements for now. 
Well, yeah, and again, trying to keep up on what is happening on the campus can be difficult. I know that Craig Keener, who's on that campus, yeah. has been posting periodical updates on his Facebook page and kind of writing some articles. So again, it's one of those things that we'll just continue to kind of monitor and, and see what goes on. Any closing remarks or final thoughts? Lord, work powerfully through the Jesus Revolution film and continue to spread this revival in amazing ways. Give us a heart for you. Turn our nation back to you. Uh, help government officials to repent, education, uh, teachers, people across the board. May we as a nation turn back to you. May church leaders turn to you. And may we see you revive us again, O Lord, so that your people may rejoice in you, as Psalm 85, 6 says. Amen to that. Well, our audience, we hope that you enjoyed this program of Christianity Still Makes Sense. We look forward to meeting you next time on our next episode. Thank you for checking out this episode of Christianity Still Makes Sense. This show is just one of the many resources available to those who are doubting their Christian faith. You can also find others at ChristianityStillMakesSense.com. This is a listener-supported show, and your gift of any amount helps shows like this continue. Click on the donate link on our website. Also, catch Bobby on Pastor's Perspective, where he answers your questions. Finally, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click subscribe and check out our other videos on the channel. This show was sponsored by K-Wave and Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa.